so many people in our industry are about the hustle, the grind, the work. How much pleasure should there be? How much joy? How much fun should a hardcore fitness lifestyle be? Where do you work? Where do you have fun? Do you compartmentalize and one is one, one is the other? Do you work, work, work for a certain amount of time and years and then you have fun? I think it just, it really comes down to trying a lot of different things and figuring out what does make you happy and what drives you and what do you truly want to spend your time doing? So remember my mantra when it comes to science, it's never either or, it's always how and when. When you survive the hard times, you will find those were not only necessary, but those were the best times. You just have to manage and prioritize and still take the time for not only self-care, but the preservation of the relationships around you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Komzeski with Tyler Weeb. We're going to turn our attention to something that's a little bit tough to talk about today for me, because sitting in the U.S. after another child massacre in a in a school, uh, it's tough to find anything happy or pleasurable. Uh, these are the kind of things, as I told my youngest last night, Ty. Like I lose sleep over these things. I, I could not sleep last night. I was I was dreaming of gun violence. And yet that's not what we're going to talk about. I just wanted to lay that out there to say that with those kinds of things possible at any given moment, for example, one of my clients messaged me this morning and said, hey, sorry, I got to take off uh, you know, a couple of days. My 69-year-old father just got diagnosed with stage four brain cancer, you know, going into the hospital now. It's like, whoa, like talk about changing your day, right? Changing your entire life. So th this whole concept, Tyler, that, that you brought up, like, like how much pleasure should there be? How much joy, how much fun should a hardcore fitness lifestyle be? It really took me back to the first time this was recorded as a topic of conversation. So in, in the Greek and Roman era of Plato, Socrates, you know, Aristotle, all that, you had a couple competing groups, a couple competing worldviews. You had people like the ascetics who would say that there's, there's, we should never do anything fun or pleasurable. It should all just be work and toil and torture. And, you know, the, you know, the, this bodily pleasure has no value. Let's all just look toward an afterlife. Then you had the hedonists, of course, who kind of took the other direction, like, whoa, if there's nothing here, then we should just, you know, eat, drink and be merry. Then the Stoics, which are, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's kind of have both, but let's work for it. Let's earn those points of pleasure. And I'm interested, Tyler, because you have an 18-month-old daughter, and I find that my worldviews started really crystallizing when I became a parent, and I had to make some decisions such as how much time and effort was I going to put into building a career, making money, building a business, supporting my family, providing for my family versus just being there. And, and just that thought and that thread over the ensuing 28 years now really formed who I am. And so this is a big question. How, you know, where do you work? Where do you have fun? Do you compartmentalize and one is one, one is the other? Do you work, work, work for a certain amount of time and years and then you have fun? Like, how do, how do we sort this out? Whatever makes you the most happiest. Boom, done. <laughs> Podcast over. No, right, that's the simple answer, right? <laughs> well, that's kind of the hedonist, you know. Yeah, idea. yeah, but it, you know that I think that is a a, a bit, I mean it's a big journey, right? And 
I think it just, it really comes down to trying a lot of different things and figuring out what does make you happy and what drives you and what do you truly want to spend your time doing on, you know, this short amount of time that we do have. Can't remember I was reading, but someone referred, oh, I think it was, it was a Ricky Gervais, his latest comedy. And we were watching it last night and he was talking about, this is essentially a vacation for us. If you think about the time the earth has been around 13 billion years, except 100 billion, whatever, right? For what we know, we are, this is a mini vacation for us and then that's it. And so once you kind of, I think, start to look at it that way, it can be a, it can be a burden. And I think that is for those who us that, that believe in that and that, you know, go with that worldview at first you do find yourself struggling because every single moment feels like a waste that you could be doing this. You could be doing that. You could, you know, you could be doing all of these things. You're just wasting your time. And like you said, when you had a kid, it started to really crystallize your worldview and you know, what you viewed as important, because I think when you do have a kid, you really start to see how fast life goes, watching them grow up. I think that's been one of the most fascinating things for me where it's like day to day, you can see that there's more cognition there, right? Like you can literally see those differences and it really does go, okay. Like you see this from a different perspective. It gives you a different perspective on time. And for those who are, for me, like I'm trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to spend my time doing? What's going to make me the happiest man? Like that's, that's quite a sobering thought and really forces you to analyze what you think you want and what you truly want, because there's a big difference there. And, you know, that's something that I think though, we're also quite scared to go find out because we're so worried about failing and we don't want to fall back and we don't want to look like this failure or like I gave up or what have you. And, you know, I think my motto has always been, well, at least I tried, at least I, at least I fucking did something right. Yeah. I found out I didn't like it. Okay. That's, that's fine. I'll move on to the next thing. Like I'm forever looking that for that next thing I've done. I have started so many things and I have stopped so many things in my life not because I, I quit or what have you. It's just like, oh, you know what? I thought I would have a big interest in this, but I don't. Okay, what's next? Well, that's so we, we as sapiens are storytelling social beings, and we actually look for that. We look for the things that confirm our own personality biases and so forth. And I remember, so I grew up with a, a pretty aggressively neurotic, complaining mother who would always blame my father for everything bad that ever happened in life. And one of her mantras was always, he works too much, he works too much, he works too much, you're never home with the kids. I mean, he never worked that much. Uh, he had five children to support and he, he did a great job. But that was the voice in my head. And so I sought stories that would avoid that pain for me. And thankfully, I mean, there's, there's a silver lining to that. And so right away, uh, I, here, here's a story I latched onto, Bono, the singer of U2. He said family was important to him. And so he would intentionally never tour, never do an album, never work during the summer because his kids were off. And I thought, wow, that's a great boundary. So when I started getting invited to speak at lectures and science conferences and camps, I, I never took anything in the summer. And I even limited myself to one trip per month. And I, I don't know if I ever missed a baseball game or piano recital or anything. I mean, I really did everything I could to be there. 
And those were the choices I made to give up potential opportunity, potential revenue to be with my kids. And one of those stories that I told myself that I'm sure I heard early on from a motivational speaker of some sort is, you know, the old, the old axiom about what are you going to regret when you're on your deathbed? What are you going to regret? And I look at my life as not just enjoying the moment, but neurologically, we replay those moments. So, you know, the definition of consciousness is the sum total of every bit of knowledge and memory in our brains or neurons and our ability to access them. So what do I want in my total being, my total consciousness forever, the story of my life? I want it to be one of experience and participation. And so it's almost like the monks who take a vow of poverty. I've intentionally said money and pursuit will never be part of my motivation. That will always be completely secondary to family and human experience. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you talking about that, you know, as, as being a dad and and never missing these events, that's, that's what my dad did growing up, right? Never missed a hockey game, never missed a hockey practice for me, you know, my sister, and my brother, whatever they were into. And it was always full of support and in wanting to be there. And maybe while he never explicitly said it, he, he showed by example. And growing up, that was always, you know, something I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. But it almost, it had to take me actually having a kid to fully realize how important that is. And so it's like, even if we know something is important to us, you still need to go have that experience to realize how important it is. Like there, once you got skin in the game, that's when you realize, oh, okay, like this is a lot different. And it then really pushes those priorities to the forefront because if it's not a priority for you, you are going to fight yourself every inch of the way. So remember my mantra when it comes to science, it's never either or, it's always how and when. And I think it is a crutch or an excuse for people to say, well, you know, then what about hustle? What about grind? What about getting it done? You can't do both. Well, you know what? I've got a couple doctorates, four master's degrees. I was a pro bodybuilder. I built a business. But you know, when I did those kind of things, I remember working on my first PhD, working full time, and I would study for my entire hour of lunch. I would you know, go home, be with the family, do those things. When my family went to sleep, you know, everybody's asleep by 10. That's when I was back at my desk for another two to three hours. And I just did it. Even through COVID, when I decided I wanted to, to finish another master's in social science, I, I did, did an 18 month master's in 15 months because every single night, a couple hours of reading and every day, Sunday, as soon as I woke up Sunday morning, I was at the kitchen table do it, doing eight hours of, of lectures and, and projects and writing. So again, I think you can you can love your life and compartmentalize happiness and prioritize all of those values and still grind your fucking ass off and, and accomplish things. It's not either or. I think it's just how you prioritize your own time and your time reflects your values, like, like you said about your dad. Well, and I think, too, like the more you start to have those experiences the more it opens you up to wanting to push in different areas. Like, does that make sense? Like the more and more we kind of go and and do these things and experiment and try, I've almost found like, I've always been a curious person, 
my curiosity has grown even more now. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing because I might be doing, you know, 10 different things, uh, you know, a month. Um, but just the more and more you, you kind of learn, you break through barriers and, and you continue to go through that ceiling of, of where you, wherever you currently are at, like that's, it's different for everybody. It, it almost becomes a little bit addictive. It's, it's not easy because it does require a lot of that self-reflection and, I mean, that can lead to a lot of downtimes, you know, depression. I was spending a lot of time at therapy for, for uh, some time recently and really working through a lot of hard shit. But man, like the, the growth, even from like November, December to now has been, you know, I feel like I was sleepwalking through the first 30 years of my life. <laughs> it's so true. You, what, what you just said there too, I'm going to go back to explaining the, the how and when. Um, you needed a time out, obviously, you, you know, for those, for that kind of therapeutic growth. And, and I remember, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, I did the same thing, dealing with some anxiety and some real physiological challenges I was feeling with that kind of uh, anxiety. And it was, it was some of the best, hardest work I've ever done. And I made a post today that said that, like, when you survive the hard times, you will find those were not only necessary, but those were the best times. And that's where kind of the stoicism and the asceticism comes back in. You know, if it was all just hedonism, like, oh, just do it, do, do what you love, follow your bliss. Oh, okay, great. Like that just makes you a gelatinous pile of neurological goo. You're just taking up carbon, like, like get off the planet. If, if all you want to do is sit here and, and enjoy life, but at the same time, we need to take the time to do that in, in, in appropriate ways. But what I was going to point out with you in, in the how and the why, I know, for example, you know, we just spent some time together in Tampa and reconnecting, you know, whenever I do something like that, I, I, I talked to Misty Ravella this morning and I said, you know, I, I think Stephen Bogrand did a phenomenal lecture. Dandy did a great lecture, all this. Every time I, I see Brett, you know, I come home and I'm training glutes more. I'm programming more glute work with my clients. Like, like it changes us to get out of our, you know, own internal lives and go have fun with people because there's always a, a return on that. Yeah. The, it made me think, uh, you know, a lot more of the, you know, you become who you surround yourself with. And, and that was kind of like really in my mind this week, as I was kind of thinking about the weekend there, you know, the topic coming up this week, because, you know, I know we were talking off <clears throat> at, off camera here before and, this has been like the first time in, in two, two and a half years, I had been with people who prioritize fitness and fitness is such a, a self-contained individual pursuit, right? You typically go to the gym by yourself for the most part, a lot of people who are just trying to lose 20, 25 pounds. There isn't a lot of people around them either that are probably into fitness, especially, you know, for in our late thirties, forties. Chances are, if you would hang out with someone who's into fitness, you would probably gravitate towards that a little bit. So it can be something that you really have to tackle alone, not only just physically, but mentally as well. Like we've talked about on this podcast, like there's so much of a mental aspect to this and to be able to, you know, put yourself around people who do have a passion for this and, and, and who, you know, prioritize this, man, it's can be such a, you can take so much from that and you can kind of, you know, come back fired up. Like it's probably been my best week of training in, mm -hmm. in quite some time, just because you're around these like-minded people who, 
you know, their priorities are the same priorities of yours. And we talk about tribes and, and whatnot in this podcast. And man, yeah, after two years, it was just kind of, I've been stuck in Canada and it was a bit of a, it was a very good re like reminder of how important having that community is not just for, you know, uh, to learn from, but to rub passion off of and to, you know, get excited about your training, your nutrition, that you aren't alone, right? That there are other people out there kind of like that and that prioritize this kind of stuff. And, and you can enjoy just lifting and enjoying being strong and, and doing all these awesome things. I've said it before, like our bodies are capable of, of, of so, doing so much. It's, it's kind of sad that we compartmentalize it just to lifting a, a metal bar off the ground, but it, it just has, you know, so much passion and, and so much fun out there that if you can really find that right group, man, it can, it can really reinvigorate just, you know, how you feel and, and what you're kind of able to do with your energy and motivation. Well, I think and use the word compartmentalize, which I was going to come back to. Uh, if you go back to those early Greek Roman views of life, it, it, it falls back into the, the compartment of how we like to think in terms of binary you know, one or the other type solutions. And it's so difficult for us to think of multi-dimensions. And, and the best example I can give is just like in training, when you have micro cycles, meso cycles, and macro cycles, you know, here's your training goal. But if you just did this without this or without this, you wouldn't get there. You have to, you have to have multiple things in your mind at the same time. And to me, that's the answer of pursuit and accomplishment and self-discipline and self-sacrifice with pleasure. It's, it's how and when. Some things, like I can go have a great leg day. I can train. I can squat. I can have a phenomenal day. That's so pleasurable. It's, it's, my, it's my highlight of the day. And then I get right back to work. And I did both. And that can be a microcosm of that particular training cycle in the middle of me having an entire workflow that's crushing because my business is in a growth cycle and I'm managing this and new staff and so forth. All of those things can be happening at the same time. And you just have to, and this is the hard part though, you just have to manage and prioritize and still take the time for not only self-care, but the preservation of the relationships around you, like that's, you know, the, the old, you know, we only have 24 hours in a day thing. Like you just, you have to make sure you're doing it all now. Cause if you put those things off to that deathbed scenario of, Oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this. Oh, 20 years went by just like that. And I totally missed it. That would be the most crushing thing that could happen to me. And that's why that's the biggest value in my life. Two things. One, what did Arnold say about having a pump and pumping iron again? It was like, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out on YouTube. A little not safe for work uh, if you do, if you are at work looking it up. But uh, yeah, if, if we could equate the pump to that, I think we're all good. Um, <laughs> and um, what was the second thing? Oh, yes. Um, like you said, you know, the being on the on the deathbed and yeah, the last thing I want to say is, man, I wish I wish, you know, I wish I had done that because man, you know what they say about wishes, if wishes were fishes, like <laughs> you'd have a ton. And so you may as well knock out as many as you can, because yeah, life is about experience and you know, what you do and, and what you prioritize your time with Man, I've been able to do so many cool things in my life 
travel, backpack, you know, across Vietnam and Thailand, Eastern Europe. Like I've been there a couple of times. Like it's just, you do all these cool things, powerlifting, bodybuilding, you know, worked all kinds of different jobs growing up, like all kinds of different experiences. And man, like to me, like that is the sum of your life because, you know, in that last moment, what are you going to be thinking of? Right. Like you're going to be thinking of your, like, you know, your life flashes before your eyes man, think of all the good times, because guess what? 99.99% of people are going to forget you ever existed within a week, if not less of you dying. And guess the, what? There's the, only a few amount of people that will remember you. The thread between all those great things that you just listed that you've done was work. Like you had to work to make that happen. You, you, yeah. you had, you had to continue living and providing yeah. and you know, again, it's how and when, you know, when are you going to dial up, dial back, pull, pull back, you know, it all, it all matters. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that, Tyler. I think this was another, another great topic just because it's so hard. So many people in our industry are about the hustle, the grind, the work, and then they take it too far. They forget to enjoy that meal out. They, they, they avoid social events because they don't think they could or should. And I'm telling you, man, if you, if you think of that, benefit the the very thin silver lining of mortality that someday it will end so with that in mind how do you want today to go that's that's what will be remembered so tyler thanks again a phenomenal topic glad you brought this one up good to see you in tampa last week as well we'll try not to let three or more years go by before seeing each other in person i I agree And uh, those of you guys who, who like uh, the Mind Muscle Connection, please keep uh, giving us comments and, and topics like this, and we'll keep trudging through them and hopefully give you a little bit of uh, experience and at least our perspectives. So we'll see you next time in the Mind Muscle Connection.